Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. Not much. Not much. I do have something of interest that uh, I came across it today, and it's like, wow, that's that's like super interesting. Was it 0% alcohol beer? <laughs> that's the other thing. Hop water? In my defense, I... So you told me that uh, there's there we're going to be talking about it later. But uh, so you tweaked my memory. I thought, oh, I'm going to stop by and pick up some beer, and uh, and I said I'll take two of everything. So he gave me two of everything. <laughs> I will say though that 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 water in a beer can <laughs> actually tastes pretty good. Zero percent alcohol, citra hop water. So basically, they just soak hops in water, but it add a bit of carbonation to it. Throw it in a can and go here, buy this. It's like a, it's it's got a citrus taste to it. It's hoppy water, and it's like fizzy, like sparkling tonic water. water. And I think it it would it would be a good mix for like you put some gin in it or something. I bet you'd put a fire out nicely. <laughs> we're we're giving you a pass on this one. And then we went to But this one. This one. So I said, Hey, just give me two of everything. It's like I didn't I know. may have to start sending people with you to the beer stores. A responsible adult. So this one is coconut cream pie. <laughs> it's from their windowsill series. <laughs> they should have knocked it off the window. So where's a cat when you really need one? And it's, it's not even good coconut cream pie. It's like it's like the cheese cheap Chinese knockoff right. coconut cream pie. It's like <laughs> well, this is more chemically than flavoring. What does it say? Imitation coconut. <laughs> yes, it's beer with imitation coconut. Yeah, and you can taste the imitation part of it. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about it later, but let's just talk about it now. Sure. Local breweries around here. Yeah. Uh, Derek usually picks up the beer. He has been for seven years now, so seven years of free beer for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so don't complain when I when I, when I, when I swing and miss once hey, in a while. Hey, beggars can be choosers <laughs> once in a while. Uh, we're still working off that gluten-free kosher beer, buddy. Uh, there's three local breweries are being sold. Right now, Five Paddles, Little Beast, and New Ritual. Five Paddles is sold, but there's no details yet. Apparently, they're still crossing the T's, dotting the yeah, I's. Yeah, and when I stopped in, I, I tried to strike up a conversation, and he just looks at me and says, I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Take your beers and get out. And because you asked, I'm giving you water in yes. a can. Uh, new Ritual is opening as, like, reopening. So it's been sold, and now it's going to open as Lightcaster Brewing, but there's no timeline on that. And Little Beast is still in the selling process. Now, there's a lot of these beer... Like, I've had all of these, and I'm sitting yeah. there thinking, there's similarities between them all. Because yes. we've had that comment where, or that conversation where, a lot of these microbreweries around here, they're all Very tasting similar. the same. In walks Jim Gorey, <laughs> one of the owners and the brewer at New Ritual, also the co-founder and head brewer at Man Antler, which is now Looking Glass. No, Tilted Glass. Oh, sorry, Tilted Glass. Yeah. Tilted Glass. Yeah, apparently he's got his fingers into a lot of brewers. Yes. Out. So no wonder they all taste the same. <laughs> he's the master he's brewer. For everything, everybody around here. Maybe the beer isn't the problem. Or maybe the beer is the problem. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, even Five Paddles, you go to their site and it says, 
350 unique beers. Yeah. If you find something that everybody's going to like, then keep it. So, and I noticed that with, I know, well, Man Antler and Tilted Glass now, is there's a couple staple beers that they always keep on tap and they always, uh, they always mm-hmm. uh, brew it up. So there's the popular ones. And then there's these experimentals that they occasionally bring out. The seasonals. So, and- yeah, seasonals. So uh, I do find a couple of these that I'm interested in trying. There's uh there's a couple, uh, so this one here is a dark stout. Yeah. And so it's a, a black lager. And uh, this one here is a peanut butter Godiva. So that's peanut butter and chocolate. That's a Reese's peanut butter cup in a <laughs> liquid form. Oh, geez. But it sounds interesting. It's, well, I'll give it a fancy name. Oh, this one is Coupe de Formage. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but you know what? Trying to get new beers. Hop water. They just mailed that one in. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, you can drink this one at work. Right? Well, that's the thing. There's no alcohol in that yeah, one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, what it's are you It's not drinking? that it's a light beer. It's a, it's a no beer. <laughs> yeah. We're a brewery that's giving you what no other breweries are giving you. Water. water. <laughs> <laughs> like Coors Light. Water. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, there, yeah, there's lots of changes in the local breweries around here. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's in, so, uh, did you read the article that came along with the... So they, they were talking well, considering about... Considering I'm the one that sent it to you, yeah. I yeah, well, I didn't know if you read the whole well, thing. Yeah, but it. some of the details in it, they talk about how it uh, just kind of climbing out of the hole that is COVID. It's, yeah. uh, it's A lot of businesses are struggling and, and just to... And I can imagine, I'd be in the same boat. It's like you go through that growth part where you're trying to create and and uh and create a successful business and then things got shut down for covid and then it's like oh you gotta try to get all that well and it sounds like that's what happened at five paddles because the five paddles are five different owners yes yeah right five buddies that got together and and i guess the the five of them are have had enough have had enough said you know what i'm not doing all that i'm not starting from scratch again so let somebody else do it so Mm -hmm. time to get out Get out with it. Well, they they've been around for ten years. Yeah. Um, Little beasts, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I think it is for sale. If, if you, you want it, yeah. If, if you got some cash laying around, yeah. right. It's in <laughs> South Whitby, right off of Thixon. Yeah. Dip into the piggy bank. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. Let me go get that out of my wallet. That's yes. that's my chump change. <laughs> yeah. Six hundred and fifty grand chump change. It's crazy, eh? Yeah. But think about it too. Like a house, it costs like. A million dollars to buy a house, but an entire business, lock, stock, and barrel, because that's a, that's a lot of expensive equipment, mm-hmm. right? All that brew, all the brewing equipment, and the vats, and so all that stuff. So if you had a bed in the back room, you could live in it. You it's could a cheap live house. It. So it's a cheap house, <laughs> and your house comes with a brewery attached. <laughs> Realistically, imagine that constant molasses hoppy smell in your house. Yuck. <laughs> end <laughs> yeah you i suppose you get used you would to it. never have to run to the store for beer <laughs> where are you going <laughs> the fridge yeah <laughs> become your own best customer Part, party That'd at derrick's problem. again it's always why does everybody always come over to my house yes <laughs> <laughs> why does no one else ever bring the beer <laughs> i guess derrick's fine oh yeah where are you going <laughs> derrick's house yeah 
He's got beer oh, and a band. Oh, beer and a band every week at his house. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these uh, new breweries, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they get their own new brewmasters. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, other thing I what was going to mention yeah. is, uh, so I came across an article today, and I don't know how I started and get on into beer, but we switched topics pretty quickly. But anyways, I came across an article, and it's about uh, Lyme disease. Uh, oh, okay. So, so the people who catch Lyme disease, they get Lyme disease because the ticks are feeding on mice. Right. So... I read this article today, and I don't know how you may come across it, but I didn't come across it. But when ticks feed on deer, Mm -hmm. white-tailed deer blood kills the Lyme bacterium, and so it cleanses the ticks. And so right now they're working on something. They're they're getting the... uh, so if you got Lyme disease, go bite a deer. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, they're going to. That's what I'm getting out of this. They're Derek. trying to create something out of the deer blood that they could manufacture in mass in a lab. But uh, so yeah, so they, what they found is that white-tailed, the blood from white-tailed deer, when the ticks feed on it, it kills the bacterium in the ticks. Really? So if you're getting Lyme disease, you're not getting it from the deer. You're getting it from the mice. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I don't know how I haven't come across this before, but there's a candidate in the U.S. are working in partnership to create something out of this, right? Just breaking down the blood and trying to find out what part of the blood is killing the bacterium. And Yeah, I don't think I've come across that at all. Yeah. That's so when I read that today, it's, when I read that today, it's like, whoa, oh, that's, that's kind of mind-blowing. Right? So, but... Maybe you'll never hear about it again. Maybe it was uh, going to fall apart and it's not well, a good I think plan people after should all. just go chasing after. <laughs> You're going to see people running through the woods chasing after chasing deers, deer. Tackle and bite them. <laughs> deer vampires. <laughs> That's all we need now. Uh, what's happened? Oh, I still can't juggle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you can see down here, I've changed the basement around, the studio here. Yes, I'm, I'm all disoriented. Um. Yeah, I, I I get in these spring cleaning modes. Every couple of years, I feel the need I've got to move. <laughs> you know, the old military days, every three years we moved. So I still get that little, ah, i got to move. So instead, I just rearrange furniture and clean. And I found four hacky sacks oh, did you? down there. <laughs> so I'm sitting here with my nice cup of coffee. <laughs> and I figured I'm doing some cleaning. Oh, hacky sacks. I wonder if I can juggle. And as one went up and then straight down into my coffee oh. cup everywhere, this is a nice clean tablecloth. <laughs> you had to wash it? <laughs> it had to be washed. <laughs> this this computer has been cleaned. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got coffee everywhere. That's the new one, isn't it? One? No, that's the old one. Oh, that's the old one. Yeah. Yeah, but it still works, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I never juggle around a cup of coffee. <laughs> or if you know you can't juggle, just don't juggle. Yeah. <laughs> um... We put our, and there's a little reel on video on our uh, Facebook page and Instagram. I put the canoe out on the front lawn. Oh, yes, I saw that. And we have learned the commands mount and dismount. Why would you pick that? Because it's different than it's other very people. Different. Everybody uh, says well, in canoe, out canoe. And see, that's the thing. That's the logical way when, to do it. No, because when you got two dogs sitting there in two different canoes and you're trying to get your dog out or do something, mm-hmm. 
And then they hear in canoe, all the dogs are running for the canoe and not listening. <laughs> okay. So anyway, mount up, dismount. Dismount. So it's like, like gymnastics. Like, a horse. like gymnastics or something. Gymnastics for the dog. Hey, did you see the video of my dog trying to get in that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, when she gets older, it won't be as difficult, but mm-hmm. right now she's got the, um, awkward. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's as graceful as a dead monkey. <laughs> oh, those legs, man. She, she was upstairs playing soccer by herself with a tennis ball oh, yeah? because she goes to grab it, but she puts her, has to put her foot forward in order to get her face low enough to the ground. Oh, so she kicks And then it? she always kicks the ball. So it goes bouncing off the wall, off of doors, off it. So she's constantly chasing. So she's. At the top of the stairs, I'm in the in the bathroom and hearing this bang, 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 bang. And she's just playing soccer at the top of the stairs by herself, <laughs> bouncing it up. People are trying to sleep. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, great dog. <laughs> great dog. Awkward. Uh, but no, no, at, at about half an hour, not even a half an hour, and she's, she's uh, figuring it out, getting in, getting out. Get, but she'll only get in and out on the right-hand side. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, when she started, she'd get in and then just right out the other side. <laughs> but pass right over. Yeah, when, when it came to it, she's getting the hang of you get in, you you sit, and then when you get out, she's getting out on the on the right side all the time, hmm. getting in on the right side, getting out on the right side. But she'll change that soon. She's going to go to the side where the land is. It's going to be natural. You would hope. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the water side. <laughs> oh, mighty bravey of you to assume. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, no, no, that uh, was was pretty good, and we're getting that training going. That's for sure. Awesome. So if it, if it's that fast for her to learn that on dry land, mm-hmm. if it's a nice weekend, Easter weekend's coming. Friday's a yes. holiday. Holiday. So maybe Friday or Saturday, I'll take the canoe down to Rotary Park. And there you go. go for a little jaunt out on the water. Mm-hmm. See if she comes with. See if she does what she's supposed to. It reminds me. I keep forgetting. I got to get my canoe in for repairs. I got to. Well, you got that little leak, don't you? Well, there's a hole in the side. The keel's all scraped raw, and so it, it's got various leaks and issues. Well, you better do it now because you've run out of time already. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to rent canoes this summer anyway, so yeah. it's fine. <clears throat> but I've uh, I've already reached out to H2O Paddle Sports, and I've reached out to Johnny's Boat Shop, and uh, both of them are willing to uh, repair my canoe for me. I just have to drop I'll it off. I'll repair it for you. Okay. Okay. I'm not guaranteeing the work that's going to be yeah. done, but I will repair it for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, so what do we got this week besides stress <laughs> and crappy beer? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> and I'm non, not, I'm not beer. I'm not a fan of this coconut cream pie. Stuff. Oh, I'm drinking because I like coconut cream pie, but. It's the fake coconut. It's just it's like it's like having coconut cream pie and washing it down with a bad beer. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> but I'm not one to waste a beer, so I'll chug through it for you. We've dumped the we've dumped beer before. Yeah, we've dumped a couple. They were just there Sometimes, comes a point where it is so bad, and you're looking around for somebody to pass it to, and we realize we're the only two here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the one time where. We got some Chronicle beer, Chronicle Brewing beer, and uh, it was the uh, the sour. Oh yeah, and we it don't was like sours. so sour yeah. that it's like oh, and and I never did get around to it, but I had always planned on, and I 
when I moved there a year ago, I ended up throwing them away. But it's like, oh man, I because I had planned while they were still fresh to send them to, to Scott Robinson and say, "Here, I got you some beer, you Scott, go, Pally, friend, buddy." <laughs> That'll learn, yeah. That would have uh, been funny. So over in the UK, they have a store called Tesco. They're the biggest retailer. It reminds me of a Costco. Yeah, it does, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, UK's biggest retailer, they're making changes to the way they sell paddle boards after the death of a woman who drowned within hours of buying a new one from them in North Wales last July. Uh, coroner wrote to the retailer to express concerns after her inquest revealed she'd sat and read all the supplied information along with her mum before heading out and running straight into difficulty. Tesco says it will now display updated safety guidance following the death of another paddle boarder called Simon Flynn. So going back to the to the woman, Emma, her brother-in-law, Michael Tasker, has joined Tesco's campaign and wants other retailers and manufacturers to supply better safety information and advice at the point of sale. He says, I think more needs to be done. The ankle leash Emma had on that night supplied with the board was simply the cause of Emma's passing. You don't think of the leashes being the cause. No. Uh, He said it would push for more brands to use quick-release waist leashes, which he said if Emma had been using, she would still have been here. And funny because I I posted on Facebook there uh, about that um, paddle buddy sticky thingy I got from my kayak. Oh, yes, yes. And one of my buddies all of a sudden, oh, I always have the leash. And I, yeah, well, if I roll my kayak, my paranoia is that I'm going to get you're going to get wrapped up, wrapped in, the up leash. in that leash, yeah, right, and either not be able to right myself, mm-hmm. or when I try to do wet exit, yeah, I'm not going to be able to get away from. I know you got like I'm you got a paddle wrapped around yeah, your neck, yeah. So same sort of deal here. It's not a quick release, mm-hmm. uh, and you know what? That's one of the things going back is we we've always said there's never been enough. Safety advice, to, especially over the last couple of years with all the new people. Yeah, a lot of people are getting into the sports. There's not enough safety advice out no. there. And, I mean, there are a lot of the retailers going, we just sell it. It's not our Exactly. It's to, not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility. Yeah. But, you kinda, know, where do you, where do you draw the be. line? Yeah. It should be. And you, as a retailer selling it, maybe you want to take a bit of yeah. that extra step to – Show your customers, yeah. Exactly. You know, hey, if you're at, at least post something where you can, you know, a big sign saying, "Click this QR code and read up on what's mm-hmm. what's going on." Watch sort of these thing, videos. Right? Read these notes. Uh, David Tidball, who advises the paddleboarding safety uh, on on paddleboarding safety, and is a longstanding water safety campaigner, helped Tesco obtain figures showing the increasing numbers of people who've bought boards online or in supermarkets and is worried by the numbers of people heading out without any safety advice or equipment. Mm-hmm. Like we say. Uh, I mean, you even go into, like, sale or something like that, crappy tire, Costco, uh, here, and you see the people watch, looking at all these boards and so. I mean, how many times are we seeing Facebook posts and stuff on and social media saying, oh, Costco's got this $300 kayak. Yeah. And, a, you yeah. know, a $300 stand-up paddleboard kit. You know, like, you're, you're seeing it, and people are just going in and going, woohoo, I'm getting out on the water. And Exactly. 
that's and they're not planning ahead and when you're young you feel bulletproof so you don't really think about you know the the the, how to protect yourself you know it's you if you're whitewater canoeing kayaking you should have a helmet proper Mm -hmm. a proper life jacket right so if you have you you have to have the proper safety equipment to be safe out on the water right and you know if you're if you're young and you don't really think that way, or you think you're bulletproof, then you know you're going to get into trouble, right? And uh, even even the experts, even the people who have been paddling for years, sometimes make mistakes, and and that's why you should have a, a life jacket on at least. It definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a preventing in preventing future deaths report, the coroner, Mister Griffiths, raised a number of matters of concern, including. At the point of sale, there was no safety advice or guidance provided in relation to either the advisory wearing of a safety vest or the need to be aware that the positioning of a safety leash should take into account the environment and water conditions. He added, unless action is taken to improve the provision of information to purchasers of paddleboards and or to regulate the sale of paddleboards to ensure that the provision of advice of this nature becomes a mandatory requirement at the point of retail sale, then there is going to be ongoing risk of further uh, accidents uh, will occur and that lives may be lost as a result. So exactly what we just said. He's, 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 he's said that there was, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing advising these people. Tesco's responded by saying, we have been working with our supplier to review the products and information, including safety warnings accompanying them. Working with British Canoeing, they have updated the graphic to include a QR code that takes the user to wider safety information on their website. And the sticker will be included on all product units which will be delivered to stores for sale in spring-summer 2023. We also have a limited number of units which have been delivered to the stores in 2022, so do not display the new stickers, but arrangements have been made for stickers to be received and affix these stickers to these units. Once the stickers are available, we uh, anticipate stickers being ready for distribution to stores by April 2023, which is like now. Our Marine Accident Investigation Branch report into the deaths of four paddleboarders uh, at, uh, in South Wales also called for changes and was referenced during Emma's inquest. Now, if you go to the Simon Flynn guy they were talking about, 42, a tutor from uh, near Cheltenham, he died on a perfect summer's day after falling off his paddleboard in 2020 near uh, Rock and Cornwall's Camel Estuary. Strong water current took him towards a moored boat and Simon jumped into the sea while still attached to the ankle leash. A competent swimmer who did a lot of water sports and surfing was unable to get free after the leash became entangled and pulled him under the water. Corner afterwards said it was an issue for manufacturers that should be looked at. Uh, following the death of Simon Flynn, his friend Sam Foyle and Cheltenham MP Alex Chalk jointly brought the industry together in the UK Parliament to discuss what joint safety changes and messaging could be agreed. Tesco was among the retailers invited. It's the UK's fastest growing sport. A new world leading joint governing body is now being created to oversee safety. The joint approach will see Surfing England leading on coastal stand up paddleboard safety, with British canoeing leading uh, on messaging for inland waterways, as they both aim to stop that those new to the sport getting into trouble. 
So my question is, should all manufacturers be required to affix some sort of safety info sticker and QR code? It takes no effort no. or cost to do that. No. You just produce, you're producing logos and everything else. Why well, you just stick the sticker on there? You know what? It doesn't even have to be a sticker. We print. I mean, I'm in the printing industry. Mm-hmm. And actually today we are printing um, a, a display, a great big chunk of corrugate. Mm-hmm. And this big display you'll, you'll see everywhere at stores. And it has a QR code printed right on it. Like we print the, and when we're doing our press approvals, mm-hmm. I grab my phone and boom, and it takes me right to the website because that's part yeah. of it, making sure it works, right? Yeah. It takes you right to the website. So yeah, it's no biggie putting it on and what's a display. what's good about a QR code is that you can produce this QR code and have it on your product, but you can digitally update the information that it goes to. Yeah. So if you feel that it, you, oh, I hadn't thought about that incorrect message we're sending off. So I'll rewrite it. QR code doesn't have to be changed. You just write the source code or the source of the, of the material, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a win-win. It, it, for one, it gives you, you kind of earn points with the consumer who, you know, you want to earn their trust. And so here that we're thinking about your safety, you know, and, and so you're, and plus you're, you know, the, instead of killing your customers, you're, you know, the customers are probably going to buy more product, right? Yeah, I got to think that's a marketing bad <laughs> no, thing. Not killing your customers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 15 of our customers drown. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, they they should. Um, now, you don't want to have to take it all the way to make it a law. That you have to no, put no, it no, up, no, you know, like no. with our cigarette packs. You yes, know, it should you, you be voluntary, and yeah. it should be. But it's it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, at least you're getting a big company like Tesco. Mm-hmm. You're know, stepping yeah. up and going. Yeah, yeah, this is an issue. So it creates that inertia in the industry for everybody to start thinking. Oh, never thought of that. It's a good idea. Let's do that. Right. Uh, hey, next week. Hmm. Paddling Film Festival. It's close. It's super close. Yeah, it's like a week away. Yeah. And yeah. as it looks now, we think we'll be selling tickets at the door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to sell some tickets at the door. We always do. Mm-hmm. People never listen to us and say, buy them early. Mm-hmm. And they show up at the door and hey. go, can we get tickets? <sighs> <laughs> buy them early. <laughs> Saves us a whole lot of... Cause, well, because then we got to sit at the door and sell tickets instead of getting that too, and and it uh, and then we it, lag behind on our beer. Drink. <laughs> yes, but it's also nice to be able to plan ahead with uh, with us and with the pub and stuff like that, so that we know if the like the staff will know if they need to have extra servers on hand. You yeah. know, they have an idea of how much food they might need to be uh, preparing that night because it's it's middle of the week. It's not normally that busy, so you know it, it helps with them if they know numbers, expectations, right? Yeah. So, uh, fifteen bucks each. Uh, there's a link to tickets. We've we've tagged at the top of our Facebook page uh, to Eventbrite. Just click on it; it'll take you right there. Yeah. Some pretty decent films this year. We still got to um, fine tune our lineup. Yep. We've watched them all. Yeah, it's being held at Drums and Flats in Ajax downstairs. Big massive TVs and uh, doors open at six thirty. First film at seven ish, ending between ten thirty and eleven. Uh, and yeah, you're not allowed to leave beforehand. <laughs> you you will sit and enjoy every film we throw at you. Uh, no, you know, there's some pretty good films this year, too. Uh, don't wait to the last minute to get your tickets. Derek gets cranky. <laughs> Canadian Canoe Museum. Yes. Some more developments. $1.8 million donation. 1.775, actually. Get it right. <laughs> Close enough. I round it up. 
but good for them. It's it's. I'm getting so excited about uh, about them opening and uh, with uh, they're getting close to opening. They're like they're putting final touches on, and so there's. Uh, it's the layout of the property and the location of the property. They're saying right now, they're saying it's uh, the current property. Remember, they couldn't be at the lift lock because of, of contaminated soil and stuff, and it was going to cost too much to clean it up. So they went to the new one right uh, at the lower end of a lock, right on the shore of... The lake? Yeah, Tonabee River. And uh, so, yeah, so it uh, it's they say it's a really good location. Yeah. It's looking really, really awesome. And then they get this uh, donation. Stu Lang, a former, well, it's a $1.775 million gift from the family of former Canadian Football League wide receiver Stu Lang. Uh, The 72-year-old Lang is a successful Guelph, Ontario businessman who from 1974 to 1981 won five Grey Cups with the Edmonton Eskimos, which are now known as the Elks. Stu and Kim Lang are well-known philanthropists who have donated more than seventy million to such causes in the Ontario uh, as the Ontario Veterinary College, Guelph General Hospital, Queen's University, and the University of Guelph, or U of Goo, as we always call it. <laughs> the Gordon S. Lang School of Business and Economics at the Guelph School is named after Mr. Lang's father, who in 1951 founded CCL Industries the world's largest label company. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's yeah. uh, I heard of CCL, but I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was the largest label company. Uh, so why Peterborough and why canoes? Because in their youth, the Langs attended the famous Taylor Staten camps on Canoe Lake in Algonquin Park, where they developed a lifelong passion for paddling, exploring rivers, and Canadian history. Mm-hmm. See, that's what they always say about these camps. It's, you oh, go to yeah, these camps absolutely. as kids, and it sets you up for it, life, right? It, it, you, exactly. You've always got yeah. that 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 passion for paddling, yeah. and, you know, or most people do anyway. The gift will be used to develop a lakefront campus and gathering circle along a picturesque widening of the Otonabee River as it passes near downtown Peterborough. Some 1,200 feet of shoreline will feature native trees, gardens, a multi-purpose Ontario uh, outdoor classroom i'm having trouble speaking tonight must be that (laughs) pie uh two seasonal docks a boardwalk a gathering circle a canoe house a small amphitheater and an adaptive canoe and kayak launch you can buy a lot for one point (laughs) (laughs) five million Uh, as a trans canada trail passes by uh nearby there will be an easy portage from the trail to the museum entrance the Canadian Canoe Museum's world-class collection deserves an outstanding home, Mr. Lang said in a statement. The campus and gathering circle will showcase the canoe's incredible history and cultural significance and connect people to the land and water in a way that only hands-on experiences can. As the largest watercraft collection in the world, it's only right that it be on the water, says museum curator Jeremy Ward. We are incredibly grateful and fortunate for the passion, vision, and generosity of the Langs, Carolyn Hislip, the museum's executive director, added. The lakefront campus will make our museum come alive. Participants in the paddle, carving, or canoe restoration workshops will experience the excitement of testing their freshly honed skills on the water. And they have a lot, a lot of that. 
lot of those workshops and stuff where yes, people they go do. and yes, um, yeah. so, somebody I know just was up that way doing something. Oh, maybe it was last year. Saw something posted recently. Yeah, on I Facebook. did. Yeah, uh, I like this quote. This is a good quote. Mister Lang, Miss Hislop said, pushes us to think bigger than we do. He sees us as we should see ourselves. That's pretty cool, mm-hmm. right? Museums Inspiring Canada by Canoe Campaign has now raised 95% of the $40 million cost for the new 65,000 square foot facility to house its collection of 650 canoes and kayaks. 95% already. Yeah, that's awesome. That's huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. Because the $40 million seemed almost insurmountable. I remember when they first announced this and I'm thinking to myself, where are they going to get that kind of money? Thanks, but Derek. A couple people came out yeah. with big pockets, like the, uh, the the Weston Family Foundation, and there's the federal government of Canada. So it, there's a few of them. Well, you read the list. Yeah. Uh, Department of Canadian Heritage, Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario, like you say Weston Family Foundation, City of Peterborough, Peterborough County, and the Province of Ontario. Federal, provincial, and private yeah, money. And, yeah, and a lot of, like, you can go on their site mm-hmm. and donate. You know, you got a couple hundred extra bucks that you want to throw their way, they'll gladly yeah. take it from oh, yeah. you. Right? So, no, that's pretty cool. That's that's awesome. Thanks to the Lang family. Mm-hmm. Now, you did math on that. How old were you? We were like six when he was playing football. <laughs> yeah, seventy four. So yeah, so uh, yeah, we are each six years old in his first year with the Edmonton Eskimos, which is now the Edmonton Elks. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, I was saying to Sean before we started recording, it's like, man, sometimes I forget how old I am. <laughs> right? The eighties were just what ten years ago. I know. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, I was reading an article and was it on, uh, I always want to call it outdoor journal, but it's not, it's adventure journal. Yeah, adventure journal. I went online, I, I check it out so often because they got all these different blog articles and that, um, that you can read. And there was one they was talking about, we need a book about camping etiquette. Oh yes. Right. Uh, it, it talks about some do's and don'ts when it comes to backcountry camping in regards to other people. He says, you know, you're out there to enjoy yourself and so are other people. So, you know, basically do unto others, you know. Well, there's and a lot of unwritten rules. There, There is. Uh, we, we've talked before about portage etiquette mm-hmm. and, and canoe etiquette yeah. and stuff like that. Paddle season is upon us and maybe we need to remind her of some of the backcountry paddling adequate items. And, uh, well, I would say right off the bat, if if you had no other rule than everything you do in the backcountry or in the front country, if you use the word courteous, yeah, it should cover all facets of what etiquette should be. Just being courteous. Right? Right. It's, 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 it doesn't get any more simpler than that, but we can, we'll break it down. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, so basically what he says is, here's what I'm getting at. We've all done something in the backcountry that a family wouldn't be excited to stumble upon. We've all broken the peace of our surroundings with a wild yell or a dance party. 
Relative lawlessness is part of the relentless joy of wilderness, but as with anything, there are lines that shouldn't be crossed. But what are those lines? If I were tasked with writing a backcountry camping etiquette book, here's what it would look like. And he gives three points. Uh, first, follow no, uh, leave no trace guidelines as if your life depended on it. <laughs> I like that. That's gone right out the window with a lot of places I've been over the last couple of years. Well, it's because there's a lot of new people yeah. in, in the outdoor uh, sports, uh, you know, doing these new things because yeah. of COVID. The most important part of enjoying our wild spaces is being sure they're left intact for the flora and fauna and those who follow. Pack out your teepee and your baby wipes, your quartered limes, your orange peels, your dental floss. Brush up on the rules on the Leave No Trace website. Follow them faithfully. Respect your environment with special care not to greatly disturb wildlife. Fair enough. Yep. Number two, respect your neighbors if you have them. This is the biggie with me. This is easy. Imagine you're looking forward to a long day of brutally hard hiking, biking, climbing, paddling with an early start. Then imagine what you'd want to hear or see as you try and get some shut eye. Beyond that, don't set up camp right next to someone else without asking. Now, he does a lot of stuff, I guess, in the Canyonlands in the south. Okay. Right? So, I guess there, there are certain things like that. Uh, but still, like, if, if you got a full lake hmm. and there's 10 sites on that lake and there's one party on that lake. It disrupts don't, everybody. Don't pick the site next to them. <laughs> yes. I've been on lakes where people have done yes. that. Yeah. You know, you got 10 other sites on this lake. Why are you right next to yeah. us? Yeah. You know? Um, keep your behavior age appropriate if there are children around. Keep your camp tidy. And if you're sure you don't have any neighbors, run wild as long as your behavior jives with rule number one. Which is true. I've done that. Mm -hmm. There's nobody else on that lake and you know there's nobody on yeah. that lake. Hoops and holler, whatever you want to yeah. do, you, you know. Number three, instead of getting angry whenever you witness what you consider breaches of rule number one and number two, consider that you've probably done something similarly obnoxious in the backcountry before. Remember that there isn't, at the moment, a widely understood backcountry code of conduct, and then do your best to rectify the misconduct. Pick up the trash you're shaking your head at, maybe gently remind your noisy neighbors that they've got company, and be the person you'd want to encounter to be in the wilderness. The thing is, I'm not making the rules. We all are. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that's what that's what it comes down to is you... Be yeah, courteous. You, you know, yeah, you got to be courteous. And um, I, I still say if you got noisy people on the lake, you just need a banjo. And you pluck those notes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. It's going to be quiet <laughs> all night long. <laughs> it it uh, this kind of reminds me of uh, so it was it was a fall trip. Mike Burns organized it. It was a dark and stormy. <laughs> it night. was a dark and stormy night. Uh, we uh, it was up north somewhere. I can't remember the exact location, but it was uh, bordered. We we could paddle out to Georgian Bay if we wanted to. It wasn't French River, but it was up there somewhere. Anyways, the uh, we noticed very early on 
that uh, we could hear. And it was loud enough that, so if we were paddling or doing whatever, if we're near the, if we're near the waterfalls and stuff, we didn't really hear it. But in camp, it was quiet enough that we heard electronica music and it played. Oh, that wasn't Philip Edward Island you were on, was it? No, no. So this, and it played 24 hours a day. I remember you it saying was that. All I day remember that. Yeah. And all night. And it was just, we couldn't understand what the heck was going on. Like somebody must have turned it on and walked away mm-hmm. because you, the, like it was loud for us. I can't imagine how loud it was at the source. And so for them to do that, and I saw, I Googled when we got back, it's like, there was gotta be reason. And so I came across stories about, you know, if you play heavy bass music or electronic music, it tends to keep mosquitoes away and stuff like that. It's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It keeps people away for sure. Right. But, uh, yeah, we, I never did understand it, but it was like, it was the whole time we were there, we could hear it. Yeah. It was like, what's going on? And we started to get used to it. And, but then once in a while, when the wind died down and they, it's like the, it just, it was like you were playing music inside the campsite because it was so loud. It's like being poked in the side constantly. Yeah. Poke, poke, poke. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's Constant. Just, oh. And it's not like it was good music. It was electronica. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Uh, at least it wasn't country. So, <laughs> so I would have some paddling additions, and we've talked about these ones before. And to keep on your little music trend, if you want to play music on the lake while you're paddling, play it low enough that so that not everyone on the lake can hear it. Yeah. We've had that where you're just hearing people coming down the lake. And when you put your radio in the bottom of your canoe, it amplifies. It amplifies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And, and you're like, oh, yeah, we can hear it, and so can everybody else on the lake. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not saying you can't listen to music while yeah. you're paddling. I mean, and I have listened to music, and what I, as a general rule, I'll I'll set my music playing, and I'll walk 10, 20 feet away, mm-hmm. and at 20 feet, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And so I come back, and it's like, okay, I'll turn it down, or it's okay, or I keep it low. I'd like yeah. to, you know, it's it's nice to hear it, but- 20 feet away, I shouldn't be able to hear it. Yeah, because you got to remember, the reason a lot of people are going out in the backcountry... Is the quiet. Is the quiet. They want to hear the birds singing, Mm -hmm. not not Michael Bublé. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Kenny Rogers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Portages is a big one. Oh, yes. When you take out, unload your canoe, move it and your gear out of the way quickly and safely so others can land. Yeah. The end of the portage, don't block the put-in. If you're not ready to load up and go, keep your canoe and gear to the side so others can get by. I've had to squeeze between canoes before. Yep. Yep. Keep dogs under control on portages. Oh, yes. Uh, That means like on a leash. Let the person carrying the canoe go by if they're coming up behind you faster than you're walking. And this goes for people, you know, they got the big backpack and or stuff like that. Or if you're going on. in opposite directions. Yeah. Or you if you're a canoe if, coming at you, if they're pull coming to the towards side. you, pull over the, the side, side and on the, yeah, let them, let them go by. They've got an awkward load that could do some damage to themselves or mm-hmm. the canoe if, if you trip them up. Yeah. If you're coming back for a second load and notice something about the portage, down tree, slippery section, whatever. Give people a heads up. Mention it to people you may pass on their first trip down. Yeah. Hey, watch out for that bear over there. Yeah. Yeah. He likes people like you. 
No, I mean, and that's exactly it. I mean, we've done that. Hey, you're coming up to a section that there's a bit of a drop and it's uh, slippery mud on the other side of it. Yeah. Watch yourself. Watch the rocks over there. Real yeah. slippery. Ask me how I know you're going to slip and fall and turtle <laughs> with that pack on. So, yeah, uh, when you're going out, like I say, it's 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 time, you know, paddle paddle season's coming up really quick here. Just remember your, your camping and your portaging and canoeing etiquette yeah. and and uh, like I say, it all comes down, like you say, be courteous yeah, and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you often think of paddlers in the backcountry, you're off, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you've worked your way through six or seven portages and you're very isolated. You expect there to be like you, paddlers as a general rule, 99.9% of the time are very courteous, gregarious, mm-hmm. generous people. But once in a time, you're off, off in the middle of nowhere, and it's like, what is wrong with that guy? And then you think to yourself, oh, that, that, that's the type of person, if they're out here, they're probably a serial killer. <laughs> well, you know, if, if you're out there and you're that cantankerous and cranky and, and rude. You and- need that holiday. <laughs> yeah. 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 I bet you all your coworkers at work going, woohoo. <laughs> it's everybody else's vacation. Yeah. Bob's off when for a When week. your boss is telling you, hey, take a third week. Yes. Free. No, no. It's we'll, on we'll, us. we'll give you that third week this week, <laughs> this year. Then you know you need that holiday. <laughs> Oh, there's there's days when Tracy goes. So when is your next trip? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting really crusty here on the edges. You need to go. Oh, we're getting stabby. <laughs> uh, um, a big thing in the in the states and through this way is the wild rivers. Europe has its first wild river. What do you mean first wild river? Government of Albania has announced the creation of Europe's first Wild River National Park. Park sets aside nearly 250 miles of free-flowing, crystal-clear Vyosa River and its major tributaries. Years in the works, Albania created the Vyosa Wild River National Park with NGOs Save the Blue Heart of Europe, the International Union for Conservation of Nature, and the outdoor clothing brand Patagonia. Patagonia is, we're talking a lot about Patagonia tonight. Mm -hmm. With the project, Albania hopes to protect the roughly 1,000 species of animals that call the river system home. The IUCN has assessed 13 of those species as globally threatened. The protection status will also address waste management, deforestation, and water and land pollution along the Viosa River. Uh, Viosa is a symbol of human history and also a very important part of the history of our country, the Albanian Minister of Tourism and Environment says. Maybe Albania does not have the power to change the world, but it can create successful modules of protecting biodiversity and natural assets, and we are proud to announce the creation of this first national park on one of the last wild rivers in Europe. This is our vision. Sustainable and environmentally responsible development, which protects biodiversity and gives people the opportunity to prosper in their homelands. Hmm. So, yeah, it's the first, Europe's first wild river. Why is there quotation marks around wild river? The wild river national park. So they're naming it. So the Viosa Wild River National Park. So it's not just any old river. This one's a special, it's being... 
is le- is being left wild. There's no okay, no um, no development, no along. development around it. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's a wild river. It's, that's it's going to be left that way. There's no dams. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing allowed. Albania has a population of 2.8 million. I thought there was more than that. Small. But attracted over 7.5 million tourists last year. Right? (laughs) So it's understandable that through the park, the country hopes to encourage responsible tourism and attract Albanian residents back to the depopulated area. This unique collaboration between government, civil society, and business is a testament to the power of collective action, and we hope it will inspire others to come together to protect the wild places we have left in a meaningful way, says Patagonia CEO Ryan Gellert. Standing on the banks of the Viosa today, we are humbled to know that this exceptional river and its wildlife will be conserved forever. Viosa Wild River National Park will open in early 2024, Organizers have a second phase of the project, which will include additional tributaries as well as some private land planned for future years. So it's not just like, okay, let's just, here you go, we'll make this river into a park and call it a day. Yeah. They've actually got a management plan they're putting into place to add to it. That's good. Right? Which is really cool. Uh, the Vioso Wild River National Park website states, A Wild River National Park is a protection concept designed to safeguard rivers and their threatened habitats. Presently, a Wild River National Park is not an official category within IUCN framework. The Viosa WRNP is a huge achievement for Viosa River, Albania, and its 1,175 species. It is the it is Europe's first wild river national park, and it shouldn't be the last. Well, I, like I say, I can't believe this is the first. Yeah. You figured there'd be more. It, it seems like yeah, it seems like it's a special category that's been created. But it also shows because I mean we hear about you know people oh yeah we don't people come to Canada and that because of all the places we have to paddle mm, yeah, yeah, right? yeah 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 all the river systems and lake systems yeah. and all that that we have here. So maybe it's just a case of we just take things like that for granted. Maybe. To, to an extent. Yeah. We right? have, we do have, like, if you think about how crowded Europe is and how small the countries are, and you've got these little tiny countries that are, and they're standalone countries, and they're like, you know, the, the size of like, you know, like New Brunswick or something. And, uh, but then you think about all these, you crush that many people into such a small space. Mm-hmm. It, it, you really do take over the land itself. Yeah. And so in Canada, we have so much unpopulated wild land that it's, uh, I guess we don't really, it's, the concept of it is natural for us, but it's like a big thing for over there. Yeah. It could resemble the wild and scenic rivers designation in the U.S., which protects certain rivers by prohibiting dams in and around their watersheds. Various other land designations come along with their own rules. Wilderness areas prohibit motorized vehicles, while most national parks don't allow pets. Hmm. The Viosa is currently undammed from its headwaters uh, in the Pindos Mountains to its termination on the Adriatic coast. So good on them. Yeah. Good on them. Hopefully uh, they start a trend. Yes. Because I think it needs to be done by the sounds of it. Yes, I agree. Right? So, yeah, and if there's, there's more countries out there. 
it's a good trend to start. Uh, yeah, well, I've only got one thing left here. So you got you don't have a wetsuit, do you? I do you have a wetsuit? They've all shrunk. Is that your dry suit or your wetsuit or wet both? Suit. I have wetsuits. I I have a lot of scuba diving gear. But it all shrunk. Yeah, it's shrunk. Yeah, it must be. You leave the, it stored too wash. long. If you leave it stored too long, they uh, they shrink. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially especially in the in the, the waste in the area. Waste area yes, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> Apart from a fleeting blaze of neon in the 80s, wetsuits have been largely monochromatic. Black. <laughs> My wetsuit is yeah. black. I don't even think mm-hmm. there's a speck of color on even the zip tags. <laughs> it's hard. You shouldn't admit too much. But I remember when I first started scuba diving back in, would have been the late 80s early 90s so some of the first wetsuits i had had a lot of like pinks and yellows and the, <laughs> very the fleeting blaze of neon <laughs> in the 80s <laughs> yeah <laughs> wetsuit manufacturers have taken a similar approach to production sticking with neoprene a textile first invented by dupont in 1931 wow right that's almost 100 years ago now oh, almost uh, but while neoprene continues to dominate the market, more and more wetsuit suppliers are adopting sustainable stand-ins to the petroleum-based standard. The forefront of that divergence from the pack has been Patagonia, who started looking into sustainable substitutes to neoprene long before it became obligatory for brands to address environmental impact. Oh, yes. Right? That's, that's the big thing. In 2008, the brand first cross-stepped into the wetsuit market. Patagonia partnered with Ulex, a bio-based materials innovator. Today, they develop clean, natural rubber from the plant-based trees, right? Uh, which became the foundation of Patagonia's current lineup of Ulex suits, the gold standard in sustainable wetsuit production. Material eventually enabled Patagonia to commit fully to sustainability in 2016, so it was only eight years, becoming the first company to nix neoprene altogether. Ever since then, Patagonia and Ulex have been improving the recipe. So after we tested a couple of renditions, to, it's safe to say Patagonia's on its best batch of wetsuits yet. Hub Hubbard, Patagonia's Ventura-based wetsuit developer, can testify to why it's been a long road to get Ulex to where it is now. The materials manufacturer approached a handful of surf brands with its futuristic sustainable rubber, and while most brands applauded the idea, they couldn't be bothered to invest what it would take to make the concept scalable. One, however, gave them the chance, Patagonia. But Patagonia has always been a lot of on the cutting edge of been, a yeah, lot of things. It, it, so the the founder was very strong into environmentalism and so yeah. on. So yeah, it's 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 their ethos, right? Mm-hmm. It says I actually got to take one out of the one take out one of the very first Ulex wetsuits ever made. Recalls Hubbard, it was incredible. 
Since that fateful surf proved the idea had sea legs, there were inevitable growing pains as Patagonia brought the new tech to the market. Ulex, it turned out, can't be treated the same as neoprene. It was completely new material that required a different lexicon of construction techniques. Subsequently, early production models were on the stiffer side. So you could be the surfboard instead of riding a surfboard. (laughs) (laughs) Patagonia learned as it went, consistently tweaking the design and working with Ulex to improve the material. Over the last six years, the evolution has been incredible. What we have now is as far as I'm concerned, equal to any neoprene product that's out there, says Hubbard. After such a painstakingly and pricey road to market, it might surprise you to learn Ulex isn't exclusive to Patagonia suits. So you figure, what's the deal, right? Yeah. Somebody's snuck in and talked to them. While many companies might choose to keep such technology secret, Patagonia intentionally shared its findings with competitors. Patagonia is such a tiny percent of the wetsuit market as a whole. We knew from the beginning that we were not going to make a difference if we kept this exclusively for ourselves, Hubbard says. So from the get-go, we always intended to make it an open market technology. We fully help support any other brand that wants to adopt it. That's pretty cool. It is, yeah. In recent years, the tech is catching on with surf brands like Billabong, Finisterre, and Need Essentials incorporating the fabric. And as Hubbard says, the more the merrier. If you've got something like that, you're willing to share it with everybody to help make things more sustainable. Yes. That's awesome. And it it fits in with their company message, too. It really does. they're, They're walking the talk. Yeah. Talking the talk and walking the walk, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, eventually, I think if I ever get another wetsuit, <laughs> it'll probably be Ulex. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe it'll be my first one. It'll be your first one. That maybe doesn't shrink. I wonder if it shrinks. I wonder what the shrinking <laughs> capabilities are. You buy them big so they can shrink. Right. <laughs> Um, Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show, April 15th to 16th. I will be speaking there on the 15th of April. So that's like not this weekend, next weekend. Nepean Sportsplex on Woodruff Ave in Nepean, Ontario. Free admission and free parking. That's amazing. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'm speaking early afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Awesome. Um, that's all I've got. Yeah, I'm just looking at this Ulex stuff at Patagonia. See? Now you're gonna, you're gonna be buying something. Well, no. Uh, you got anything else? I do not. Remember, if you don't know how to juggle. <laughs> don't do it over your coffee. Don't do it near your coffee. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's all I got today. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, where you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream all our episodes on iTunes, Paddle, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and download or stream all our episodes there. 
you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. And if Derek keeps buying crappy beer, I'll be looking for a new co-host. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.